Welcome to the Rhythms Podcast. I'm Brian Wise, the magazine's editor. In November, Steve Pulse, a Canadian but long-time resident of the USA, visited me in the studios of Triple R FM in Melbourne during his Australian tour. What followed was an immensely enjoyable half hour or so. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. And my special guest... As he was in September at the Soundstage Studios in Nashville, Steve Pulse. How are you, Steve? Good. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty well. Right on. Yeah, I actually slept in today since I arrived to your shores. I got here and did Queenscliff, but I've been waking up at about four in the morning because Mm -hmm. of that jet lag thing. And I like it, actually, because I watched the sunrise, but I played a late show at the Spotted Mallard, and I actually slept in until 9.45, and that was when I called you. I couldn't believe I slept in that late. Felt good. I'm, I'm glad you rested. Yeah, I feel spry. Spry? <laughs> and sprightly? Sprightly and spry. This is my 20th trip here. And so it's so funny because they'll show up and say, man, I saw you back when you supported Jewel at the Palais back in all Reagan. It was about 1999. And then they'll say that to me. and uh, <laughs> Just like that. Yeah, just like that. And then I'll end up meeting somebody else who saw me at a different place out in the country or who knows where. So it's my 20th trip. Now, but some people might be surprised that you supported Jewel, but there is a connection there, isn't there, songwriting-wise? Yeah, yeah. We, uh, back years ago, we both were playing at a place called Java Joe's in San Diego, and I was in a band called The Rugburns, and uh, w- my mentor was Country Dick Montana from The Beat Farmers. And Great then uh, we, I met Jewel, and we ended up writing a bunch of songs, and that was what brought me first to Australia. So thank you to Jewel for that because I I just kept coming back. I fell in love with this country and I said, I'm, I'm always going to come back here. I believe Jewel is now an Americana artist. Is she? Well, apparently she was played the City Winery a couple of years ago. In oh, the wow. Americana yeah. Festival. Well, she just sat in with me at Telluride Bluegrass Festival because she lives in Telluride and people were crying. Like it was amazing because she came out and we sang a couple songs together. And then uh, Molly Tuttle, uh, I wrote a song with Jewel 20 years ago that I never finished, and it's called um, A Million Miles Away. And I, Molly came over to write with me in Nashville, and so I said, she was getting ready to leave. I said, you know, Molly, I have this song I never finished with Jewel, and her eyes opened wide, and she said, what is it? Play me it, and I did. And Molly finished it. So it was a co-write 20 years later, and it was Molly's first single on her record oh. called Million Miles Away. And uh I, I, it was so funny because then Jewel showed up at Telluride Bluegrass Fest and I was playing my set and Jewel walked out and then I brought Molly out and I had them do it together and they'd never met. And then we brought Sierra Hull out too and it was just an amazing set. Wow. Super fun. Molly is a huge talent. She was here a few weeks ago for the Out on the Weekend Festival. Yeah. Incredibly talented. Yeah, did you have her in the radio? She was a guest in the studio. Oh, yeah. good, yeah. yeah. She's such a nice person, too. You know, we've written a bunch of songs together, and then uh, that's what's so fun about living in Nashville. I just wrote a cool song with Billy Strings, and he was fun to hang out with. He's a, he's a big talent. I saw him at the... Old Settlers Festival, I think you were there too, of course. I love Old Settlers. It's a great festival. I'll be doing that this year. Will you? Great. Yeah, are you coming out? Of course. Good. I'll get to see you. <laughs> so you just keep coming out. How many trips have you made over there to the States? Oh, I can't. I've lost count. For some reason, I know this is my 20th. I, I think I must have had at least 40, maybe. Oh, wow. Can't re- yeah. Yeah, you're Twice doing a good. A few years, but I uh, particularly like the Old Settlers Festival. Although they've moved it a little bit further out of town, and every time I drive back into town, into Austin, I get lost. I go go a different way every... I can never find my way. 
Maybe this will be your first year. Maybe you I should camp down. out there. Yeah, you should because of those late night shows, the mm. uh, Team Good Time shows. I'll yeah. be doing one of those again too. Man, I love okay. old settlers. And the other thing I wanted to ask you about was the Kayomo cruise. Oh yeah, Kayomo cruises is Americana cruise ship, and it's so neat. And um, I did it two years ago. I got to do it with John Prine and Richard Thompson and a whole bunch of people, Patty Griffin. And last year I got to do it again. And this year I'm going and it's in February and my dad is going to be 90 and I'm bringing him because he was married to my mom 61 years and she just passed away last December. So he's been kind of sad. And I said, dad, I'm going to take you on this cruise ship. And this year it's, I get to play it and Brian Wilson and Mavis Staples and Jeff Tweedy. The lineup's insane. And you go out on this boat for seven days and it's a nonstop floating concert. So I'll be doing that too. Well, I mean, are the fans uh, a little bit obsessive? Do they, like, it always... I uh, wondered what the... Because you must be able to get really close to the artists on those cruises. They don't sort of... Wherever you go, you're running into yeah. somebody who's like a super fan of the music. So if you're not a people person, <laughs> you'll stay in your cabin or in the <laughs> backstage area. But I, I'm I'm a man of the people, so I love it. I love walking around and seeing all the different acts. You know, I got to see John Prine play three different shows. And it's just so fun. And um, Australia's own Tommy Emmanuel played it last year, and that was so neat. And he sat in with everybody. Molly did it last year. And uh, I met Kelsey Walden there. In fact, I, she has, I have her favorite, the favorite T-shirt she sells that says Monkey's Eyebrow Kentucky on it. And, uh, so, yeah, Kayamo is something you are made for. Somebody like you, you would be able to do so many interviews. When do you, when is it? It's in uh, January, is it? Shazza will know. Sha- where is it's it? It's in uh, February. Sha- February. And I called it uh, Shazza. It goes out of Shazza. <laughs> well, you, well, you are Steve-O, of course, Steve-o. when you're in Australia. Palsy. Steve-O. Palsy. I, it goes out of Miami, doesn't it? Does yes. It, it leaves out of Miami on Super Bowl Sunday yeah. this year. We got to get you a cabin. You could do so many interviews. Hey, the only trouble is, isn't isn't alcohol and food included in the cost? Yeah, well, that could be a problem if, for Australians, couldn't it? Yes, it definitely could. They would think? they would go out of business. I would. <laughs> <laughs> There'd be no more Kayamo. So that only need thing. myself and a few friends. Yeah, and that that'd be <laughs> they'd go bankrupt. Wouldn't they? Oh Don't my god. It's like it's like the hardly strictly bluegrass festival in San Francisco where you can bring your own alcohol. Right. You have you played that? No, I yeah. want to. That's yeah. a good one. It's right? massive and they allow yeah. people to bring their own alcohol. Although I think they may have cracked down recently on that. And I'm like, you know, if you allowed Australians to do that, all you'd see the next morning would be a sea of bodies lying on the ground. Not that I'm dissing Australians, but you know, we are renowned for certain things. Well, when you play Merle Fest, it's a dry festival. Really? Yeah. And so that one in um, North Carolina, Merle Fest, is a dry festival. And then Dell Fest, there's certain areas where you have, I played that one too, the Del McCory Festival. Yeah. And, uh, but then when you play High Sierra Music Festival, which was a jam band festival, more hippie-ish, it's like 10,000 people. That thing is just off the hook. There's, <laughs> everything's legal there. There's just people walking around naked. Like, <laughs> it's insane. I don't think I should go there. <laughs> hey, tell us about living in Nashville because you're from San Diego or you lived in San Diego for a while. Yeah, I'm originally from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. And so that's where I was born and I'm a dual citizen. Mm -hmm. And then I grew up in uh, Southern California and lived in San Diego for a long time. And then Sharon 
said, you know, we should move to Nashville. And I said, I don't want to move to Nashville. I love San Diego. I got the ocean. I got Mexico 20 minutes away. Go to Tijuana. And then she said, well, let's just go. You're going out there to write some songs with some people. Let's just look at some houses. So we did, and we ended up buying a home three years ago, and I just love it. And we're having such a good time. And I keep saying, why didn't I move here 10 years ago? Because I just felt I was immediately embraced. I know all these people from just, you know, the more you play and you play these festivals and everything, you run into f friends. And I, I, I'm so happy living there now. But it's growing so fast. It is. It's growing like crazy. But it's still small to me because yeah. I've lived in a, um, bigger cities. So It's small to us. And the people there complain about the traffic. And I said, you want to complain about traffic? Come and live in Melbourne. Oh, man. Try doing what I did last night. <laughs> Dri try driving from just, you know, St. Kilda to uh, Brunswick to play the Spotted Mallard and then... Uh, somebody loans you their Prius and you're driving on the left side of the road, which you're not that familiar with. And then you put on your windshield wipers when you want to turn right. And then all of a sudden they go to the next level of the video game. And it's like hook turn. What? This is against everything I've even thought of. I go when it's red and there can be three cars lined up there. And right at the end of the red light, when it turns green, you look to your right. You got to go fast because these other cars are going to come into the side of you and then look out for the bicyclist that's also on the lane coming at you and you've got to be at full attention i love the hook turn it's the greatest thing it ever. is the greatest thing ever because and it is so genius. distinctively part of melbourne <laughs> who ever thought of that it's a work of genius it's isn't it? so cool it is i did it last night and sharon i was laughing so hard i said this is it she said are you scared i go i was born for this i was born into the <laughs> i, I go to those intersections in the city just to do the hook turn i don't blame you yeah that's fantastic <laughs> you know and because it makes melbourne Melbourne distinctive, doesn't it? Where would you find that in any other part of the world? Any Nowhere. Other? I'm no. going to write a song on stage tonight called yeah. Hook Turn. Yeah. <laughs> I was born for the hook turn. <laughs> it's going to be in the key of G. It'll be like oh. this. Yeah. I was born in Melbourne. I was born for the hook turn. I didn't understand you had to get in the left lane first. Then you go when the light turns red. It doesn't seem right. Now I'm looking for the green light on the right. Don't hit the tram car if you will. Watch out for the dude on the bike. I'm born for the hook turn. It's going to be a good one. You know, there are suggestions that they should get rid of the hook turn. No. Yeah, I'm going to lead a protest against it. I'm going to move here and buy Melbourne one day. I'm going to write a huge, another hit huge song, and I'm going to buy Melbourne. And I'm going While to you're the in the, uh, the musical mode, do you want to play us a song, Steve? Oh, yeah, man. That's why we're here. I forgot. Windows of Halifax? Yeah, I would love to play Windows which I of thought Halifax. Was originally Widows of Halifax, but it's not, which could be a great song too, by the way. But Oh, that'll be the sequel. <laughs> Widows of Halifax yeah. will be the sequel because it's fun to write songs that are sequels. I wrote a song that was a sequel to uh, Johnny Cash's Folsom Prison Blues because I always wondered who shot, who did he shoot just to watch him die? So I wrote it from the point of view of the guy that gets shot and that. So, um, so that I'm going to do Widows of Halifax and it'll be the sequel. So on this song, I was on an Air Canada flight and I was leaving Halifax, Nova Scotia. And it was snowy. It was a winter day, and I looked down and I was I had just come over from Newfoundland, which is great. And the way you say Newfoundland, it rhymes with understand. And instead of saying how you going, like how you doing, there they say. Woody Head, Woody Head, bye. And they call everybody bye. And then if you say, is the weather good? They'll give you an inhaling affirmative and it goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> How is it? And they go, beautiful. And they breathe in when they say beautiful. And then instead of cussing, they say frig. It's friggin', it's friggin' cold out there, bye. And then if you're from St. Anthony, St. Anthony becomes one syllable. It's just snitney, snitney. And so I was thinking about all those things, and I was on this flight, and I was looking at all the windows, and I said, I'm going to write a song about these windows, and it's going to be in the key of D, and it'll be a waltz. All the windows at Halifax were shuttered and closed down. It was almost Christmas Eve. It was quiet on the town. There was snow on the streets. Everyone was inside. And I looked at my tree and I slowly cried. Well, I drove in my car. It was like I was on the moon. I thought of a warmer place in the middle gym sometimes this old snow it makes me so mad sometimes for no reason i just feel kind of sad ah the windows of halifax tonight well the first window says to the second window how come you never open up and the second window says i had my heart broke once now I just stay closed shut. First window says, well maybe you could see some kind of counselor or something. Maybe a window washer could help you see things more clearly. Cause I think you're pretty attractive, but you always have your shade pulled down and the sun can never come in. Well the second window says, freak the sun, bye. The girl I love is back in Snyantney. She's a beautiful window and I can see all the way through her to her soul. Back at St. Anthony? I was imported from St. John's. I love Newfoundland. Well, the fellow that lives here, he studied chemistry at Dalhousie University. But truthfully, he flunked out. But he's still a chemist. Well, actually, he's just a drug dealer. And we got people coming in and out of the house all night long. But I never have anybody to talk to. Just bottle caps and cigarette butts being flicked my way. Dalhousie University, you say. The fellow that lives here next door, he studied geography and archaeology over in Annie Ganesh at St. Francis Xavier. But he flunked out too. Now the only mountains he sees are paper mountains from his failed thesis. Yeah, he's got some tinfoil trees and a cardboard river and a ugly, ugly paper mountain he made from the drug dealer's trash outside. Sometimes this old snow, it makes me so mad. Sometimes for no reason, I just feel kind of sad. All the windows of Halifax tonight. All the windows of the Maritimes, they're all telling stories of the plentiful days, of the cod and the glory, or an explosion that rocked a French cargo ship. In Dartmouth, near the harbor, all the windows got clipped. Well, all of these windows, they're all telling stories. Some are so sweet, some are so gory. There was a murder one night no one ever speaks of. All the windows of Halifax tonight. Oh, the widows of 
Halifax. They were all singing songs. Cause it was Steve Poltz who got murdered. Everything had gone wrong. He wasn't telling lies. He was on a show with Brian Wise. Shazza was sad. Oh, the widows of Halifax tonight. Well, Shazza ended up moving to Melbourne. And then she found out Steve wasn't really dead. He was kept in a cage in Brian's house. Sharon freed him. And the widows of Halifax are all now happy. <laughs> nice to have a song with a happy ending. <laughs> yeah. That was, that's the rewrite. <laughs> you just planted that seed in my head. The widows of Halifax. Steve Pulse. Uh, <laughs> Dude, this is the greatest show I've ever been on. <laughs> uh, windows of Halifax or Widows of Halifax, whichever you prefer, from Steve's album Shine On. Yeah. Recent yeah. album produced by an engineer by Will Kimbrough, who's going to be out in Australia for Port Ferry. Yeah. Uh, in March. Man, we had so much fun making that record. Will Kimbrough is a gem. For those of you out there that are listening, Will Kimbrough, he plays guitar with, uh, gosh, Emmylou Harris, Rodney Crowell, produced so many good records, and he's a great songwriter and then a whiz on a guitar. See him at Port Ferry. You will not regret it. Yeah. You mentioned your father before, and he featured in the show that you did a port ferry when I saw it was that wasn't it was it this year or the year before last year the year before yeah yeah, yeah. and you played a little did you play I played a, a five, poem five, of his. Po- yeah poem yeah yeah I bought him uh with that jewel money from the jewel hit I bought him a MacBook Air and I taught him how to use GarageBand and, and my dad I'll I'll start emailing you some of his poems I'm putting out a CD and he's going to sell it on Kayamo it's going to be twenty of his poems at ninety years of age you yeah, could have it's a whole new adventures career. in poetry. In fact, I'll give you some. They'd be good for interstitial programming things. His voice is really deep, and he's going to be 90. And so, yeah, I played uh, Port Ferry, and, and I did a poem, How I Met Your Mother, uh, that I made him write. I give him uh, assignments, and he'll do them because, you know, he misses her. And So, yeah, my dad, I love him so much. And when my mom died last December, it was so sad. In 61 years, they were married. And my dad said to me, you know, I, I was Googling, when do you get rid of the people's possessions? Because mm. she had just died and and she died at home. And, you know, God bless those hospice workers. They, they sent us home with all the morphine and they taught me how to grind up the morphine. Not that I needed to know that. And so I did that. <laughs> and, and then Sharon helped me through that. And we gave her Ativan and morphine. And we, I, she transitioned to the other side. And about a half hour before she died, she hadn't said a word for 20 hours. She was just slowly breathing, about to pass away. And the phone rang by her head. And it was so loud. And she actually opened her eyes wide and sat up and looked at me. And she goes, I got to go. And laid back down. With a half hour, she was gone. So we're clearing out her stuff. I Googled, when should I clear out her stuff? And my dad said, let's get rid of everything. We must have found 30 pairs of reader glasses that she needed. And my dad said, she could never find her glasses. (laughs) And then he said, your mother and I wanted to play gin rummy, but we didn't have a deck of cards the last month of her life. And I regret not playing gin rummy. And we're lifting up a bookshelf and something fell off of the bookshelf and it hit my foot. And I'm not kidding you. It was a deck of cards and on the cards it said gin rummy you tell me something's not going on out there we both got goosebumps and we started crying and i hugged him it was pretty powerful her death has brought me really close to him so how old was she when she passed 89 my dad's age yeah 
and it was just last December, and so we'll miss her this this year, you know. But uh, uh, when I was in New Orleans this year, after I'd been in Nashville, I was in an Uber, and the lady driving the Uber had a beautiful phrase because her parents had passed away. You, 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 sometimes you don't like saying "die," do you? Because it, it's so. Well, it is final, isn't it? Yeah. I just don't like saying it. But anyway, um, she said that her parents had been taken to a better place or taken by Jesus to a better place. And I thought that's a nice way, isn't it? Yeah. I like that. believe in that sort of thing, you know? That works for me. You learn a lot from Uber drivers. Like my driver over here this morning taught me more about the hook turn because I was telling him, I didn't know if I was supposed to go when the first car got in the little lane. He said, yeah, three cars can line up. That guy was so cool to tell me that. And he goes, and then you don't wait for it to for it to turn red. Right when it turns red, you got to go first because everybody's waiting for you. Yeah. And so I learn a lot from tab, cab drivers and, and different drivers around the world. You do indeed. Hey, yeah. uh, you going to do another song for us? Oh, man, I would love to do another song for you. Good. All right. This is a song that I wrote with my friend Molly Tuttle, and this is called Over the Top for You. Molly came over to write, and she said, what do you want to say in the song? And I said, well, in Newfoundland, they say, oh, trout, I dies for you. And she said, well, can we not say trout, but just say I dies for you? And I said, sure. And that's how compromises are done in Nashville. So here goes. Rubber hits the road. I'm bound for Mexico. Daylight wakes my sleepy head. Turns the mountains gold. I had one too many ties to you. One too many tries for you. Oh, my love, I dies for you. But I'm over now, over the top for you. I didn't even know I could play this fast this early in the morning. I'm still asleep. There's a snake in the middle of the road. Do I swerve to miss? I can't shake this feeling that I hold. There's poison in your kiss. You got a nice smile. I had one too many tries for you. One too many tries for you. Oh, my love, I die. But I'm over now, over the top for you. Three more hours and my heart gets tossed. I tumble down into the rocks. My sleepy eyes, they start to cross and I'm lost.
<laughs> Steve Pulse. Not bad for a guy who didn't wake up till 10 to 10 this morning. I know. It's so cool you got a studio audience out there clapping. If you guys are, that are listeners, if you could see what's going on inside here, they're serving crepes and lattes. <laughs> and they've got people half naked running around. There's a jacuzzi. There's a little Ferris wheel they set up inside. Nice. It's so neat. That's why I like coming in every Saturday. I see why you do it. Yeah, I know. It's all the fringe benefits. Hey, how much time do you spend on the road each year, Steve? I do about, we've pared it down to 180 shows a year. Only 180? Yeah, it was up to 220, which means you're gone most of the time. Because if you're doing 180 shows, you're gone 220 days a year, you know? So... I've got it down to about 180. It'd be nice to get it down to 150, but I love my work so much. Like, you know, when I'll come to Australia, I'll do like Woodford or I'll do Port Ferry and Blue Mountains and I'll do Adelaide Fringe and I'll do the National and I'll do Nanup. I'll come back maybe and do Fairbridge. But so, and then I've got to get up to Canada and play a bunch of festivals. And then all over the U.S., there's so much going on. You got Strawberry Festival I'll be playing this year and Old Settlers. And so, but I love my work and uh, it's so fun to... uh, play live shows and drink good coffee does sharon go with you on all your tours she does yeah she keeps me sane i'm lucky i have her that's good to have someone a companion with you all the time i know isn't it i know because i could imagine you could get up to all sorts of trouble if sharon wasn't there to keep you in line yeah everybody needs a sharon to keep their life organized (laughs) you know she packs really she's like marie kondo she's got the place like everything she folds the underwear perfectly and things are she does she keeps everything nice she's like very organized and i'm not i'm shambolic and so uh I should write a song called I'm Shambolic. That sounds like yeah. mental note. I'm surprised you haven't written a book. I'm going to write a book. Yes, I will. When? Um, I think in the next couple of years because yeah. there's a lot of stories out there, you know, and I want to get them down before Sharon becomes a widow of Halifax. <laughs> because you, you are, your show is really about storytelling, isn't it? As well as singing. Oh, yeah. You know, you got to stories make a show and they weave it all together. And sometimes I think I have no clue what I'm going to talk about today. And then the next thing I know, whatever happened that day becomes part of the show. And uh, it's a it's a rambling monologue. The one thing that annoys me about Bob Dylan. Yes. I'm a huge fan. I'm yeah. as big a fan of Bob Dylan. Not quite as big as Brian Nankervis, but I'm a pretty big Nankas. fan. Nankas. Nankas. Yes. I was with him yesterday. I, <laughs> <laughs> I was hanging out with him yesterday. He doesn't talk to the audience. No, he doesn't. I wish he could. I, I wish he would. No, I do too. I remember when um, I was out on the road with Jewel in, the, I think, like early 2000s, at, right at the beginning of, uh, like, maybe the ni- late 90s, actually. And Dylan asked Jewel to open for because we had recorded her first record. We got to live at Neil Young's Ranch. That record was called Pieces of You, and it was the Stray Gators backing her up, and I got to play guitar. And so then Bob Dylan was like, I want Jewel to come out and open. And then she had sold like a million records since in the first year. And so Dylan had had her open prior to that, but she never met him. And the tour manager said, listen, you're not going to meet Bob, so don't plan on it. He's not, and don't even look at him. If he's got the hoodie on, don't look at him. Jewel's like, okay. And so the first night of the tour, she finishes the show and she calls me up. She goes, oh my God, you're not going to believe what happened. I go, what? Tell me, because I'm a huge Bob Dylan freak too. And she says... 
I finished my set. Bob Dylan's about to go on stage, and they go, hey, Bob wants to see you in his dressing room. So she goes, I walk inside, and it's just this white room with two chairs with a light bulb hanging over the two chairs in the middle, like an interrogation room. So she says, Bob's sitting there, and he had sent her a box set of Jimmy Rogers, the yodeling brakeman. And so she sits down, and he goes, Jewel, how you doing? She goes, doing pretty good. He goes, you sold like a gazillion records since the last time I saw you. And she goes, yeah, I, I guess it's, I've been really lucky. He goes, did you get the box set I sent you? Jimmy Rogers, I know you yodel. I figured you'd like that. She goes, yeah, I got it. And then he says, well, how come you didn't thank me? And she goes, well, I didn't know how to reach you. He goes, you could have called me. She goes, what am I going to do, look up Bob Dylan in the yellow pages? And he says, you could have called my secretary. And then she said, she's sitting there, it's really awkward. And then he says to her, and she had ended her set by singing, Who Will Save Your Soul, this Jewel song. He says, how come you didn't sing, Who Will Save Your Soul? I like that song. And she said, she called me, she goes, I had done Who Will Save Your Soul, but my guitar was in a weird tuning, so I did it like four steps low and I messed it up. I stuffed up the song. And she says, I did play it. He says, no, you didn't. And she says, yes, I did. And he says, no, you didn't. She goes, I did too, I ended my set. And he says, well, then it was in a different key. And she goes, it was. And then she said she looked down and looked up and he was gone. But the only way out was the door behind her. And it was like he was an apparition and he just disappeared. And she said then he was on stage. And she was looking at him. And then when he would leave stage right, he would appear stage left. But she wouldn't see him walk around. I love that. I bet that was the last time she did a support for Bob Dylan. <laughs> oh, my God. Is that crazy? Yes, he's a strange man. Yeah. I, I, I was just walking with my friend because I love Bob Dylan. I was walking with my friend. Uh, I played Queenscliff this year, the music festival, and the Waifs played. And so I borrowed Tim Finn's guitar because my guitar got lost. And then uh, I'm good friends with the Waves drummer, David Ross McDonald. So I go, we were standing at Point Lawn. So I go, let's go on a walk tomorrow morning. So me, David, and Sharon went on a walk. And he said, when the Waves opened for Dylan, Dylan brought him, bought them all matching shirts, country western shirts, and his suits, but they weren't wearing them right. Like Dave started going, ah, screw it, I'm playing drums, it's hot. So he'd play with it open and wear old jeans with it and shorts. And Dylan asked for the shirts back. <laughs> They didn't give them back. And I asked Vicky, I could I asked Vicky from uh, the Waves when I just saw her, I go, Did you get, ever give the shirt back? She goes, Hell no, I kept it. <laughs> Maybe it's better that he doesn't speak on stage. Yes, Possibly. right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Hey Steve, thanks so much for coming in. Oh man. It's been great what to a meet up with to you see again. You. I love your show. Thank you. Thank you. We love your show too. Oh good. Let's play a track from Shine On, which I imagine will be on sale at the gig. Oh, yeah, on vinyl too, on yellow vinyl. vinyl. Good on you, digger. This is about – whenever I go to the States, <laughs> I always I, I always feel that I should be in a pickup truck. Oh, I, yeah. I need to rent a pickup truck. And I I remember I, I did rent a car. I arrived in San Antonio and I went to pick up the car and they said, oh, the only thing we've got is a pickup truck this pickup and I'm like and it was massive it was like the biggest thing and I said have you got something smaller and I it was like I had to do a psychological examination because I had asked for a smaller vehicle <laughs> you know what I mean? like what is the matter with this person and she said but it'll go it goes really fast you'll get there really and I said yeah but I it'll use a lot of gas no oh, and it, it took me about half an hour to convince the lady, she said, I don't understand. What do you mean smaller? I had to take her out and show her Toyota what it could roll. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> you really want that? Anyway.
It was an interesting experience. I've learnt never to question them when I, you know, just give them what they yeah, take, yeah, yeah. Take what they give you in future. It's well, too much hassle. This song is about pickups, and I wrote it with some friends of mine, Oliver <laughs> Craven and Anthony DaCosta. Yeah. And we wanted to see how many different ways we could use the word pickup in a song. So they came over to my place in Nashville, and we wrote this. <laughs> so you'll be able to hear it here. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. Girl, if I don't pick up, it's cause I'm in my pickup. Thanks for listening to the Rhythms Podcast. I'm Brian Wise, and I'll be back with more interviews for you soon. And please check out the website, rhythms.com.au.